Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. All right, well, join me in welcoming Heather Kamira as she continues our Belonging series. Good evening. Good evening. It's always good to be with you. I want to welcome you. I'm Heather. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, especially if you are new or you're joining us online, we're glad to have you. Hope you feel welcomed here if this is your first time. We are actually in a series right now, as the slide says, called Belonging, Belonging, where we are talking about what it looks like to be a member here at VCDC. As Michael and Andrew both have already shared, the foundational verse in this series is from Romans, Romans 12, 4 through 5, and it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And the quote that we keep repeating throughout this series as well is from Sam Alberry, and it says, the church is not something that we go to, but something we belong to, something we belong to, thus the title of our series. So far, we have looked at defining church, we've looked at unifying church, and last week we looked at functioning church, which I think was actually a really great lead-in to tonight's talk, which is on a spirit-led church, a spirit-led church. Good topic. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is one of those distinctives that make us a little different from other churches. You'll hear us actually emphasize the Holy Spirit in our talks. We'll actually even invite the Holy Spirit at the end of our services. But for you and for me, what does it look like for us to be spirit-led members of VCDC? We are looking at a passage today that I think helps with this. It's actually one long run-on sentence that Paul uses at the beginning of the book of Ephesians. And I want to look at that tonight because I think it is a really, it's a really helpful example for our hopes and prayers for this church, for this church. He addresses three things that I think are really foundational for any of us who want to be spirit-led people, any of us. If not for these things, I really believe that we will just automatically fall into the ditch or the rut of just being self-led people, you know, just kind of going about our lives, doing our thing, and when we forget and or we're just completely unaware that God actually has something he wants to say and do, and he actually wants to direct our lives. Um, What we see in this passage is that a spirit-led person is someone who knows the personal presence of God. They know the personal presence of God. They know the hope to which they are called, and they know the power available to them through the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at that tonight. But first, let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit, as we always do, to be with us. Lord, we do. We ask for you to come near. Just come more, Lord. We do. We ask for your tangible presence in this room And I just want to say how grateful I am that we get to do this, that we even get to gather together in person to turn our eyes to you, to hear your word, to even get to worship together. And I do, I pray for a greater awareness of your spirit at work here tonight. 
May you stir up just hope and encouragement in our hearts as we look at your word, and, and I just invite for you to have your way in this time, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, well, we're reading, like I said, in Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse 17 through verse 20, and you can follow along on the screens or on your, in your Bibles or on your device, depending on what you have. Uh, Paul writes this, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the wisdom, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, in, of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. In the message, it says it this way. I wanna read this too. It says, I ask, I ask that the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused, and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life that he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. So first thing that we see in this passage, which is such a great just packed full of just great truths here. This first thing that we see is that he's asking, praying to God, he's praying and asking that these Ephesians would be able to know the personal presence of God himself. And that word there for know is epignos, epignos epignosis, if I can say it right, correct knowledge to recognize, to recognize. It's not far off and it's not vague, but it's knowing for ourselves and recognizing the true nature of God. It's personal, it's personal. In John 10, 27, what does it say? It says, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. See, what we know about sheep, and I just did a sermon on sheep recently, <laughs> what we know about sheep is that they do, they recognize the voice of their shepherd. Why? Because they have spent all day and all night with their shepherd, they all this time together. There's this faithful provision and protection that the shepherd for, provides. And, and if they hear a voice that is unfamiliar to them, they run instinctively. And if they hear a voice or the voice of their shepherd, they come, they come to him. See, the reality is, I think for all of us, you will not follow God and you will not be a spirit-led person, especially in your just day-to-day -day life, if you don't know him and if you don't trust him, like really trust him, it absolutely affects how you live your day-to-day -day life. In Psalm 34, eight, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. We won't trust God, let alone follow or listen to him if we don't think that God really has our best at heart, amen? our best at heart, if we haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good, come on, <laughs> that the Lord is good, then how is that gonna impact our lives? 
Some of you, if you're honest, you are distant from God. You're distant, you're hesitant to ask for more of God because you're still not sure if you trust him. You're just not sure, you're not sure. And, and you let him into the entryway of your life. You know, you, you go to church and, and you sing the songs, uh, but you don't let Jesus get too close. You know, because I mean, what's he gonna do? You know, he might wanna go down in the basement. You know, <laughs> he might wanna uncover some things in your life, right? And I mean, and some of us believe this, but we think he's gonna suck all the fun out of our life, right? If we let him in, if we let him in. He doesn't allow us to stay in that place for very long, though, does he? Because the reason why Jesus came was for a real heart and soul relationship with us a real relationship. He wants to fill every room of our lives, every room of our lives. So how do we do this? How do we taste and see? How do we get to know this personal presence of God? Well, I love what Gordon Fee, the great New Testament scholar, says. He says this, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the experienced presence of God the experienced presence of God. See, there's something more to Christianity than just a set of beliefs. Thank the Lord. There's more to, more to this than just something to believe. Through reading the word of God, the scriptures, we, we learn about who God is, right? We look at Jesus and we kind of get an idea of what the Father looks like, what he sounds like, but there's also someone to receive. There's someone to receive, someone to experience and Jesus said, you know what, guys? It's actually better that I leave. It's better that I leave so that you can have the Holy Spirit. You can have the Holy Spirit who, who will enable you to know God personally. What? Back in the day, that was not a common thing. Today, we talk about it a little bit more, but that is radical. The British theologian and pastor Simon Ponsonby says it this way. He says, the Bible states that Jesus is Lord but the Spirit makes it real to me. The Bible states that God is Father, but the Spirit makes it real to me. The Bible states that God is glorious, that God is love, but it's the Spirit that makes that real to me. It makes it real to me. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of out there force, you know, like Star Wars, may the force be with you. You know, that's not what we mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. And you know that? <laughs> He's not an it. He's actually a person with a personality. He is part of the Trinity, fully God, fully God. And scripture describes him in, in, a, in a variety of ways, one of which is that he's a helper or that he's a counselor or that he's a comforter. I mean, who here needs the presence of their personal father to come into the places of their emptiness and loss and absence? I mean, I know I do. Like, I need the comforter. I need the Holy Spirit. But we also need the guide, don't we? We need to be led. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit leading you or guiding you? Do you remember a time when, when you felt like this nudge, this nudge to follow him, to follow him in something? Maybe you, you walked into church one weekend and, and you're worshiping and you just start crying for no apparent reason. And, and you just realize, no, I think that the Lord... He wants, me to, he wants me to surrender some things. There's this weight on my life that he doesn't intend for me. Maybe, maybe there's some, some exchanges, that, exchanges I need to make. 
maybe for you, you, you see a person, they just catch your eye, and you, you have this nudge, this sense that maybe you're supposed to go over there and encourage them, or maybe even pray for them, and you're like, was that me, or was that just a really nice thought that I just had, or, or was that actually God? Was that God leading me to do something? Have you ever felt the Lord guide you, to nudge you, to prompt you? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and the message says this, trust God from the very bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who's gonna keep you on track. Oh, how encouraging is that? He's the one who's gonna keep you on track. See, God, he is inviting us to meet with him personally, to get to know him from this place of intimacy, right? Into me see, we let him see us, and and he lets us see him, this place of intimacy, but also trust him from from that place of dependency, from that place of dependency, so that when we hear the little whispers and we sense these little nudges, because not every thought is our thought, right? And not every feeling that we have is our feeling, right? That it could be the Lord, that we respond to him and that we follow him, that we follow him. I mean, what would our church look like if we all committed to get to know God more in a more personal and intimate way and we started really responding to the little nudges and the little, uh, the little invitations that God constantly is, is, is giving us and responding to that voice. I mean, it'd be pretty cool to see people just getting out of their seats all the time, you know, <laughs> laying hands on people. I mean, who knows, right? Well, the second thing we see that Paul prays for is in verse 18 here. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. See, a spirit-led person knows the hope of their calling, knows the hope of their calling. See, we also won't follow the Holy Spirit if we don't think he wants to use us, right? Like, why? Like, I mean, he'll probably use that really spiritual person over there to do that, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm nobody special, you know? Uh, we leave that stuff for the super spiritual, right? But that he would actually be inviting me to participate? Wait, what? See, we often talk about being spirit-led in this church. We talk about it a lot. And I think immediately that taps into a sense of inadequacy for many of us, Right? We read about these healings in the Bible that Jesus did, and and we read about the prophecies, and and we hear prophecies, and and we hear about these wonderful spiritual experiences, and we're like, yeah, but but, but me? For me? Like, really? Because I'm not super spiritual. Like, you know, I'm not that girl up there preaching on the stage, right? Uh, Just saying. I'm not super spiritual either. (laughs) I don't pray six hours a day. Do you? I don't know. Maybe you do. I don't fast every single day all the time. Uh, and I still lose my cool when I'm in, in traffic and somebody cuts me off, especially when my girls are in the car. Oh, you do not want to mess with Mama Bear. I mean, she comes out when I'm driving. Or, let's just say this, I still get in fights with my husband on the way to church, right? <laughs> Why does it always happen then? Uh, it's, it seems like, wait a minute, I struggle in all these areas of my life. Does God really want to use me? Me? Well, in the vineyard... 
As you've heard many a time, I'm sure, we have this saying, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. You do not have to be super spiritual or super religious to be on the field making the plays. Amen? We don't. You, do, you just need to be willing and you need to be available. Can you remember that? Be willing and be available. Guess what? That is doable for all of us. Sorry, <laughs> but it's doable for all of us. It really is. See, we disqualify ourselves from being used by God as though we need to be acceptable first before we're usable. Acceptable before we're usable. The truth is that the Spirit-led life is actually about working from a position of God's acceptance and approval. It's actually working from that place, not trying to gain it. How encouraging is that? We need to hear that today. It's because of what Christ has done for you and for me, not because of what we've done. And it says this in 2 Timothy 1.9. It says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given, in, given us in Christ Jesus before even the beginning of time. Wow. Did you know that you're called? Did you know that he's calling you? He's calling you? Like, what? Really? Yeah. He is calling you. You have a specific role to play in the kingdom of God, and he's actually given you spiritual gifts. Whether you know it or not, he actually has. And he has a real purpose for your life. I mean, how hopeful is that calling? How hopeful is that? I think that's why the Purpose Driven Life was such a bestseller for so long, because we all long to be caught up into something that is far greater than ourselves, far greater than ourselves. The Greek word for spiritual gifts is charisma. You've probably heard that word before, charisma. But in the modern, in modern Greek, the word charisma actually literally means birthday present. What? Literally means birthday present. The root of that word charis, it means grace. Oh, how cool is that? The root of that word means grace. You see, he takes ordinary people like you and like me, professors and plumbers and home builders and stay-at-home moms and doctors and truckers and graphic designers. Huh. And he gives us charisma spiritual gifts as an act of grace, simply because we ask, simply because we are open and we seek, and really just simply because he loves us, just simply because he loves us. In Romans 5, 5, it says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, all of us. Each of us has God-given gifts of grace, even if we, like I said, don't yet know what they are. The place I've learned to hear God's voice and figure out what my spiritual gifts are, are in small groups. Oh yeah, in small groups. I so wholeheartedly believe in the power of doing life in community, amen? The power of doing life in community. And it's not because that's my nature. Uh, this little introvert here would like to do everything by herself and need no one. <laughs> but because it's a command in Scripture and because I have seen it, I have, it's become my lived experience, I have really seen its impact in my life. 
See, my small group was the one that identified in me what I could not admit for a very long time. <laughs> I remember one series we did on spiritual gifts, and I said, well, I don't really know what mine are. Probably, you know, encouragement. You know, I can do that one. That one doesn't sound scary. But if I was honest, I was just scared about saying what it could be. I just held on to the encouragement one. I'm just going to be a little encourager in my little, little life. <laughs> and that's what I was going to do. But that group, they stared at me and they go, you serious? Are you serious? Heather, seriously, you come alive when you talk about the word of God. You come alive. You get all fired up. We see parts of your personality we've never seen before. <laughs> and, and we see that it's not just for you that it comes alive. It comes alive for us when you talk about it. Girl, that's the gift of spiritual, that's the spiritual gift of teaching and, and preaching. I'm like, what? No, that's not for me. <laughs> but if not for their encouragement, I wouldn't have taken that preaching and teaching course a while back, and, and I wouldn't have written that first sermon. If not for their encouragement, I wouldn't have probably gone to that class and encountered God in that service, telling me to lay down my fear, to trust him with my future, no matter what. He would ask of me no matter what it looked like. I remember the picture that God gave me in that time where I was trying to figure this all out. And he said, Heather, you're like a car that just won't turn over. You know, I keep sticking in the key and you keep going. He's like, come on, girl, seriously. Like, just say yes to me. And I was like, no, no, I'm scared, I'm scared. And he said, you don't trust. You don't trust that what I might have for you is actually the best. This is the best thing because I want to use you for my glory and actually for your good too. Will you surrender to me? Will you trust me with the outcome? Boy, that, that's hard, isn't it? But can I just say this? Being spirit-led starts, it starts in the little things, in the little things, not the big things, not on church stages, but in living rooms, amen, in cubicles and in classrooms. There's no way that I would have been able to say yes to those bigger things if I hadn't cultivated a life of saying yes to God in the small things, in the day-to-day -day things. See, for you, maybe what that looks like is you start saying yes to the, the nudges and the promptings in your small group. And at the end of small group, you actually share what came through your head and what you sensed, and, and you take a risk, right? Faith is spelled risk, and you take a risk and you share in that place. Or maybe for you, it's, it's that you feel this, this nudge at the restaurant to maybe pray for your waitress, and you're like, well, that would be awkward. <laughs> like, well, how would I do that? And, and, but you actually take a risk, and, and you actually follow through, and you ask, say, hey, we're gonna pray for our meal. Uh, is there anything you need prayer for? You know, I mean, that's so okay to do. That's so okay to do. Or, or maybe for you, it's, it's that you're in the moment of a chaotic day and your kids are having a hard time and you stop and you say, God, what would you have me do right now? What would you have me do right now? He is simply asking for you to just follow him today. So to be spirit-led, we need to know God personally. We need to know that we're called and we need to know the power available to us in the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians, uh, in the verses 19 through 20 at the last part of this passage, he says, and to know his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Boy, sometimes we need to remind ourselves what we actually believe. 
Uh, it's like, this is why we do this on the weekends. We, we listen to the word together because we need to remi- be reminded that the power that raised Christ from the dead, what? that that same power is accessible and is present here with us and is in us. What? Yeah, that's true. Now, for the Greek word for power here, it's actually dunamis, and it means strength, power, ability, ability. See, you and I, we won't follow the Holy Spirit if we don't think it's going to (laughs) work. We don't think it's going to work. If there's no power for change, or if we feel powerless, we will disengage, and we will stay back. We'll stay back. Ah, Mr. Rogers said this, though. Oh, good old Mr. Rogers. Said whenever something bad happened to him, his mom would say, look for the helpers. You'll always find people who are helping. Yeah, that's Mr. Rogers' mom right there. Mm -hmm. Those firemen, those EMTs, those police, those nurses, those doctors, those are the invaluable first responders who are on the front line. And they jump into action when somebody's been hurt because they know they're equipped to help. They know. They're equipped to help. And as a side note, if you're here today or if you're online and you are a first responder, I just want to say we are really grateful for you. We're grateful for your sacrifice, for your faithfulness, and for your gifts. We really are. Do you know that you have the power and the authority to be a first responder in the kingdom of God? (laughs) You do. You really do. The Holy Spirit dwells in the heart of everyone who trusts in Jesus for salvation. You're equipped because the spirit of the risen God is inside of you, is inside of you. You're deputized and everything is at your disposal. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, "'Verily I tell you, whoever believes in me "'will do the works I have been doing.'" And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, I know for for us in in a group like this, we're gonna come from all sorts of backgrounds when we talk about this stuff. Different understandings, ways we've been taught about accessing the power of the Holy Spirit. It's all a little different. For some of you, you were actually raised in a church where you were taught that to actually have the Holy Spirit, you had to have a special prayer language that that was the only way to know that you were filled by the Spirit. And then some of you, you were raised in Christian homes where you were taught about the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Um, But you just didn't talk about that guy. He was like the weird uncle, nobody invited to anything, you know? Uh, And then some of you, some of you, you're taught about, you know, that yes, the Holy Spirit does provide spiritual gifts and that it's for our use in our day-to-day lives. And then some of you, you didn't even grow up in church and you're like, what is this girl even talking about? (laughs) And that's okay too. And one of the things that I love about the vineyard is that we are people that hold the paradoxes of the Holy Spirit. We are people who believe in the word of God and the works of God in our midst. We believe in proclamation, but we also believe in demonstration, right? because that's what we see Jesus doing. That's what we see him doing in the gospels. It didn't end with the disciples. We can see him at work in power today. You know, next week we're gonna talk about this more. We're gonna talk about the kingdom of God and a little bit about the already and the not yet. But what we see here is that Paul is praying that we would actually remember and know the power that's actually available to us, available to us that we would know that we have authority 
meaning that we have the right, we don't have to ask permission, we've got the right, it's already ours, and we have the power, meaning the ability to do these things, the ability. Another paradox that, that we hold dear is the understanding that we can be naturally supernatural. Who here has heard of that term? Naturally supernatural, okay, yes, yeah, that's a great one. A term John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, actually coined to describe Jesus. It was to describe Jesus. And likewise, how we should be operating in the spirit. Mike Turgiano tells this story, and if you know Naomi and Noah Turgiano, this is his grandfather. And I love how he explains his first encounters with the spirit. I have some pictures here. You guys like pictures? Come on. Look at him with his cool glasses. Oh yeah, he's, he's a New Yorker, so he gets to wear cool stuff like that. But there's John Wimber and the worship service, and there's Mike and, and John just eating dinner together. How cool is that? Well, this is what he says. I first became a Christian in a Pentecostal chapel service. It was a loud, and it was lively, and it was very expressive. And coming from, his quiet Roman, or from a quiet Roman Catholic background, this Pentecostal style took some getting used to. Particularly strange was the way that people prayed. Folks would shout and, and wave their hands and jump around. And I was told that this is what it looked like when the Spirit showed up and did his thing. At first, uh, this boisterousness didn't matter too much for me because I was so desperate for whatever God could give me. Even if it meant being a little weird, so be it. And God did meet me and began to really change my life. But as time went on, I grew more uncomfortable with what seemed to be showy and strange and sometimes manipulative behavior. I love Jesus and I love the people at that church, but I didn't like the package. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Eventually, I became gun shy and avoided the spirit altogether. And anything that might smack of weirdness, like prophesying or praying for the sick or casting out demons, I might be more comfortable in that time, but I definitely lost something. Then I ran into John Wimber, and I saw something different. John wasn't interested in wowing the crowd. There was no hype, no weirdness, no manipulation. When he ministered, he was relaxed, he was comfortable and real. I was impressed with how he remained normal while worshiping and praying. John called it being naturally supernatural. John was the same person during ministry time that he was during dinner time. And I learned that I didn't have to put on some spiritual persona and change the tone of my voice when I prayed or get frenzied in order for the spirit to move. And the most significant and liberating discovery was that I could just be myself and God would show up. I could respond to the promptings of the spirit in my own authentic way. And that was huge. That was huge. My response to this freedom was, I can do that. I want to do that. And I was off and running, doing the stuff of the kingdom, and I haven't stopped since. Isn't that good? I love what he says there. I love what he says. I could just be myself, and God still showed up. Do you know that you can be uniquely you, uniquely your unique self, that God can still use you? When you realize this, it relieves any pressure to perform. You can act normal because you trust that he'll just still show up. It all opens up these opportunities in our day-to-day -day life to be spirit-led, not just inside the church, inside these four walls, but out there. Because all we do, we just simply invite the Holy Spirit's presence to come and work in all those ordinary places of life. 
I remember sensing that I was supposed to pray for a friend that I actually worked with. She was Hindu, uh, and she was going to be moving away, so I knew my window of opportunity was closing. And one day we were walking outside, and and she was telling me about how stressed she was with this, this upcoming move. And I, I just sensed the spirit kind of nudge me like, okay, now, okay, now, like pray for her now. And I'm like, oh boy, like really Lord, now, like, okay. You know, and you argue with the Lord a little bit because you know, you don't really want to do it, but, but you do because I just, I really had already grown this amazing relationship with her. And, and I hoped that through that relationship, she would be willing to let me pray for her. So I did. I just kind of said, hey, um, would you mind if I pray for you? You know, I believe in Jesus, and, and I would love to see him just give you more peace during this time, this stressful move. And actually, she nodded and a little confused, but she was totally willing. And then I asked what can be the part that, peop- that really throws people off, which is, can I pray for you now? <laughs> like right now, not later, but like now? And uh, she said, yeah. And, and so I, I asked if I could put my hand on her shoulder and I just started to pray and I invited the Holy Spirit to come and, and to meet her. And there's another p- funny part about when you pray for people. Um, some people f- don't know that you're supposed to close your eyes <laughs> when you're getting prayer. Not that you're supposed to, but, but I knew as a, as a good old vineyardite that I was supposed to keep my eyes open. Well, she didn't know she was supposed to close her eyes. So we just stared at each other the whole time. And I'm holding her shoulder in this corporate parking lot. And I felt very awkward for a moment there. <laughs> and nothing on her face changed at all except for one thing. And I'm so glad I kept my eyes open because tears started just streaming down her face. And her facial expression didn't change, but tears just start streaming down her face. And, and I closed, I said, amen. And I said, thank you for letting me just get, into pray, get to pray for you. And, and she goes, okay, that was really weird. She's like, the moment you prayed for me, started praying for me, she's like, I felt this peace that I have not felt for weeks. She said, that was, that was cool. What was that? And I was like, that was the Lord. That was the Holy Spirit. That was Jesus. And she was amazed. I was amazed. (laughs) It was a beautiful encounter, naturally supernatural encounter, where I got to invite the Holy Spirit to minister to a dear friend and watch him work. I love, I love that. I love that, that we can do that in the kingdom of God. So lastly, how do we get more of the Holy Spirit in our lives? More of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because for some of us, we know we need more. We need more of him. I love what John Wimber does say. He says this, don't seek his power, seek his presence. Seek his presence. The power is found in his presence. And in Luke 11, 9 through 13, it says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For, who, or for anyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of his fathers, which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give what? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. See, our hope here at VCDC is that you will be more and more available to God, just available to God. That you'd often find yourself praying, Lord, would you use me here? Would you use me in this situation? Would you show me what you're doing here, Lord? Here am I, send me, right? A great way to do this 
in an intentional way is, let's say in the morning, in the morning when you're getting ready for work or you're on your way to work or when you first wake up in the morning, invite God into your day. Intentionally ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Say, God, would you come into my day? Would you, would you attune my attention to you today? Would you help me to see where you are and what you're up to and what you might be asking me to do? Like, help me, guide me, direct me. If we wanna be led by the Spirit, we need to ask. We need to ask. In James 4, 2, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. <laughs> That's pretty straightforward. And I don't know about you, but I think I have a hard time asking for things. I have a hard time asking for things. I think because it feels vulnerable to need, right? It feels vulnerable to need, but he loves it. He loves it when we ask. He loves it. And I think we need to be willing to ask him for more of the Spirit's presence at work in our lives. And that means that we might actually need to slow down a little bit during our day and look and watch and wait and say, God, what are you doing? And ask again that, he, that we might be responsive to those little tugs and nudges throughout our day. Well, as the worship team comes back up, I wanna mention just a couple practical things. I wanna leave you with some practical things I know we'll be talking about this more uh, continuing on in our series, but I want to finish by highlighting just a few. See, a couple ways that you can position yourself to receive more of the Holy Spirit is by, surprise, by opening your Bible, by opening your Bible, to actually read it on a daily basis, think about what you're reading, and choose to submit yourself to it. Boy, that's hard, but it's so good. And another one is worshiping, worshiping God. I mean, it can open your heart to God. When we do that on a regular basis, it makes us soft to him. When we turn our attention to him and praise him, oh, he just loves coming close when we do that. He just loves that. And the other way is connecting with other Christians, especially with what we have here, which we call small groups, whether it's a men's group or it's a co-ed group or, or, or a women's group. I think that is, is so important that you have people around you that can encourage you, call things out in you, pray for you. And the last one is serving. Serving, especially, I would say, in the areas of great need, like volunteering at our food pantry or volunteering with our kids in our kids' ministry. Going where Jesus is because we know in Scripture, he says, I am with the poor. You want more of me? Then come where I am. I'm with the poor, and I'm with those in need, and I'm with the stranger, and I'm with the immigrant. That's where he is. Will you ask God for more of the Holy Spirit today? Will you invite him intentionally in your day-to-day -day life, making yourself available to him? Would you ask him to reveal himself to you personally to show you what you're called to do and to empower you in your own life and in the lives of others to do the works of Jesus here, both in this church and in the world. Yeah, amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.